Welcome to Mandemic Mondays. It's the only podcast hosted by two best friends who have absolutely nothing in common except their first names. I'm Mandy Fabian. I'm Mandy Kaplan. And we are the Mandys. And we review and debate and discuss the latest releases on Netflix or HBO or whatever we want. Really. Whatever we feel like, damn Whatever it. Whatever we feel like reviewing, we're going to review. And we also talk about other fun stuff, music, books, life, everything we're doing to stay sane. During this crazy time, we like to call the man The Mandemic. Oh, yeah. Feels good. I'm so, so excited to do this podcast this week. <laughs> Very excited. Um, Lay it on me. We... Well, because we watched on HBO Max, No Sudden Move. We did. Directed by Stephen Soderbergh. Um, so you watched the French version? Yeah. Was okay. it in English? Oh, no. Oh, that's why it didn't make sense. Yeah. Or did it not make sense in English, too? Um, so we watched, yeah, No Sudden Move. And correct me if I'm wrong. I always um, will. Always. I can't wait. You're wrong. Let's true. just assume you're wrong and move on. <laughs> God damn, I opened myself up yeah. to that. Um, yeah. Uh, so it was like a crime, supposed supposed to be a suspenseful crime drama, uh, maybe a, a bit of a whodunit or an unraveling of a, of a situation. Um, and it has Benicio Del Toro and Don Cheadle and John Hamm and... Um, a bunch of other people. Why am I blanking on everyone else? David but those Harbour are the main. and Matt Damon. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the guy from Succession. Um, the guy from... Kieran Culkin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kieran Culkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who I'm real uh, hot, cold on sometimes. But um, yeah, so I was... I, I had heard not great things mm. uh, about the film. Mm -hmm. So I watched it with a lens of like, okay. Um, and boy, oh boy. <laughs> Uh, I was interested. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, I really was genuinely interested in this story, but I couldn't really tell what the story was. Oh, so that was a big, that was a big bummer because <sighs> this is, and I don't understand because I love Steven Soderbergh's directing, but he used this lens that made me feel like I had just taken an Ambien or something, and I've never taken Ambien. It made everything look like you were looking through a peephole, right? Yeah. The sides mm -hmm. were blurry and the center was coming at you. It was yeah. very awkward. I was like putting my reading glasses on and off. I'm like, what, what's happening? Am I having a stroke? I called it a fisheye. I think that's probably what it was. Okay. And it's not, yeah, it, 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 it wasn't offensive. Like I kind of, there were moments when I was like, ooh, look how the trees are swirling in the background. Boy, you really focus on the character's face. But, but every time he moved the camera, which he did a lot. Mm. And there were times when I was like, you're moving the camera so much. And I get that you're trying to achieve something really visually cool. But like, I don't, not only do I don't, not know what's going on because everyone's just saying names and I don't see the people and I don't know what's going on. I couldn't keep track of who was no. fucking over who and who was the big mob boss and what was the car thing and who the people... I couldn't keep track of any of it. And I couldn't hear them. There is a scene... I'm sorry, I'm just going in. Can I just go in? Because I'm really in. passionate about this one. Apparently. There is a scene... This was not the first scene that 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 tipped me off that maybe this wasn't going to be a great movie. It's not that. But to the point of not understanding, there is a scene at 2734 and it goes to about 2754 where literally I... 
I paused it and I rewound it and I watched it again because I was like, I don't understand one. I could not understand one word the actor said. It's when the guy who was on the office, he goes in with the secretary and he's talking with her and he's at the safe and he's freaking out. Right. And he's panicking and he's talking. Okay. But I'm like, do you want Pete to play it? Yes. Pete, play the clip. He took it, Matt. That's what I was trying to tell you. Why would Mel forward? Why would Mel forward what? Nay, Smith. He moved on it anyway. Anyway? Oh, Paul. What do you mean, anyway? It's bad. What? It's bad. Matt. What do you mean, Naismith? I was like, oh, I really am having a stroke. First there's the lens, and now I can't understand a word of this dialogue. It was, it's like giggly. I want to go back and watch it again. I may want to make it my ringtone. Because I thought it was so hysterically funny that I could not understand a word that actor said. So he'd be like, ah. David Harbour go, is the actor. David Harbour. Right. Wait, was he on The Office? Stranger Things. Oh, okay. He reminds me a lot of the funny guy from The Office. Rain Wilson? Uh, the guy who played the boss. Oh. He sort of fell into that job. He's super funny. I'll, I'll, I'll get that name. Okay. But like, it's funny because I saw him and I thought he was the guy from The Office. And then I was like, more funny people trying to do serious stuff because that's a theme for us. You know, it became one last week officially. Yeah. What I think is so funny is I did not even know until he said this one line that that the the uh, the guy who was doing the job of the HUD impression was Brendan Fraser. No, it's not. Sean Astin swallowed Brendan Fraser. <laughs> And this was a performance by that combo. What happened to Brendan Fraser? I don't. I don't know. I, I, that was so crazy. Literally, I was like, I didn't. I did not recognize him. And then he said one line. It was kind of. I was like, it was like Rodney Dangerfieldish. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on with this guy? And I was like, oh, holy shit, that's Brendan Fraser, who I thought was just going to show up later in the movie. Yeah. But it was him. And I'm going to say his name again because I'm going to pronounce it correctly, but I'm not going to correct how you're pronouncing it. But Brendan Fraser was pretty bad in this movie. And so was everybody. I Brendan Fraser. I thought he was so good. By the way, it's foyer, not foyer. Or do I do it? Did I say (laughs) foyer? No, I say say foyer. You said foyer. And then also, what's the other one we do? What's the one that I always get wrong? Folks. Folks. Yeah. Yeah. And with an L. Which is correct. Brendan Fraser was so indicative of like all of the problems of this movie. Like it was all lost. It was all very cheesy and obvious and hard to follow. I felt like the actors didn't really understand what was happening. The script was just a mess. Just a mess. You never cared about anybody or anything. I wanted to. You know what it felt like? It felt like a student film. Yeah. So weird. Like I was looking at the shots going, I would think this was like somebody's college because even these professional great act, these are great actors. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get a sense that they were locked into the story or moving story forward. They were standing and saying lines. And it was really weird. Although I got to tell you, Benicio Del Toro, look, I love him as an actor, but when they, when that first scene with him and the wife, yeah, it's so funny because I'm like, he's so, he's, he just reads to me now as like a monster with no heart all the time. He always read that way to me. I've never been a fan of his. He's so mumbly and I lazy and I've never been a fan of Benicio Del Toro. And this is him at his laziest. He does nothing. He just stumbles through this movie yeah. drinking he really heavily. He does. 
Yeah, I wonder if that was real alcohol, like just to get yeah, through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that was in his contract, the like, I'm going to slug brown brown liquor the whole time and you can't stop me. It's not a bad writer, actually, in a contract. Let's We'll consider that for next podcast. <laughs> okay. So I felt that it had promise. The movie starts with Cheadle and Del Toro and Culkin basically taking a family hostage. Yeah. And it was interesting, right? You know, the first Mm -hmm. 20 minutes or 25 minutes were interesting and they end with a shocking murder and it was like, ooh, this has potential. And then it just, Uh that was it. Like, I wish that would have been the last frame of the movie. From there, it was so confusing and convoluted. Everybody double-crossed, triple-crossed, quadruple-crossed. I was, I wrote, oh, really? Everybody's double-crossing everybody? And then I changed it to triple crossing. By the end, I had sextuple crossing. I'm not lying. I typed out sextuple crossing. You're not wrong. Yes, you're. that's exactly right. It oh was, my God, that's funny. You know what? I, one of my pet, pet peeves happened in this movie at about 18 minutes. We're, we're doing a role reversal now because I'm the one with all of the like, oh my God, I am going to write that clip down. This one made me bonkers and I want to know if you noticed it too. I want to okay? know, do I sound like that? I wrote this clip down. Is you that do. what I sound? That's oh. how you talk every oh, time. Yeah. Lord. You bring out your little notebook and you're so superior about it. Mine are like on the back of a baby wipe. I got to write before the <laughs> ink gets smudged. You um, like mementoed them all over your body and tattoos. I have a, yeah, I have a post-it stuck on my ass. I'll yeah. just bring it up. <laughs> no, this one of my pet peeves in a movie is like when somebody, when a character says like, you know, oh, don't cry. And the per- the other person is clearly not crying. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's your job as a director to say, you know what? Maybe don't say don't cry because she's not crying, right? Right. So there is a scene and you should play this clip because I want people to know that I am not crazy or maybe my t- TV mix is bad and that's fine. Maybe I'm crazy. But from 1819 to 1844, you should play that because, oh, let me explain why. He keeps saying, you keep that kid quiet. Keep her quiet. I know. By the way, not a peep from that child. I like know. barely a tiny little whimper. She's not even speaking. Her and he's lip like, is trembling to- slightly and that's it. Yeah. He's like, I told her to pipe down. I'm like, there's nothing going on, dude. You, you got to She's piped. Like, what are you? Anyway, play the clip. You and me are going to go get it. These guys are going to babysit. Everyone is going to be fine as long as we get what's in that safe. By 10 a.m. Can you shut your fucking kid up? She's a child. I don't care. Keep it quiet. Come on. Okay. Okay. Stay inside. If you want her quiet, then let her go to her goddamn playroom. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Feist. Come on, right? Nobody noticed that? Well, you did. Um... <laughs> I also, Maybe Soderbergh should have me as an assistant. I think he's going to want me after he hears all this. Yes, the world needs you. There's also um, another trope very in a similar vein. The scene is at 2313 at the door. Pete, we're keeping you busy. Play it. Hi, Dad. Okay. Everything's fine. Mary. No, I'll call you later, okay? Everything's fine. Had a fight and pigs were upset and we're just going to stay home and sort it out. So, oh, I'm so very sorry about the bird feeder. You sure? Yeah, it's fine. I'm fine. Everyone, everyone's fine. It's fine. Seriously. Okay. 
I'll call you later. Okay? Bye. Bye. So, if I came to your door and was like, Hi, Mandy. Just came to make sure everything's okay. (laughs) And you had your little face squished in the crack of the door. And you were like, everything's fine. Go away. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I would know you were being held hostage and I would help. I would call the police. (laughs) Wow. You are a really good friend. First of all, I would never make you make that 25 minute drive if I was being held hostage. What a waste of a drive. (laughs) But like that, that conceit. Yeah. It's just a scene we've seen so many times. Somebody being held hostage and somebody walking away going, well, that was strange, but not doing anything to help. It just now it's a trope. Well, she called later. I mean, you know, what are you supposed to do? Although back then they didn't have Netflix. You know what I mean? There was nothing for her to do. So she really should have been more on it. Would (laughs) you have tried to like blink help or something? Like, would you if you were in that situation, what would you do? The the people can't see my face, but I'm going to do my face for you. Right. I would go. I'm fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) And you would know. From my subtle eye twitches and and head shake. No, I'm not fine. Right? I don't know. It depends on... I'll see you tomorrow at the PTA meeting. No, it's, with you, it depends on like what you had for dinner last night. You know what I mean? Like you could make that face if you just had a little bit of tummy agita. I wouldn't necessarily assume that you've been held hostage. What I love about that held hostage situation that I marked down is I love that they allow the wife to have a glass of orange juice and a, and smoke a cigarette lounging on the couch in beautiful lighting while they're holding her hostage. Yep. Chain smoking <laughs> cigarettes. Like, yeah. I was like, well, that's interesting. The cigarettes, uh, She w- before she's held hostage, she wakes up first thing in the morning and has a smoke in bed in her pajamas. And then there are shots of full, full ashtrays. And (laughs) I I was like, I felt like I smelled the movie, you know, just like the dirty, (laughs) weeks old, ashy, smoky ambiance of that house. Uh, I thought you were going to say like, and it was made me die to have a cigarette. (laughs) No, I can't imagine like it didn't. Being indoors with people smoking. Ugh, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. That's like, that's why I love America. More problems with no sudden move. There were no sudden moves. It was oh, also predictable. I know. <laughs> and when you have an ensemble cast and people are popping in and you're like, oh, look who it is. It's John Ham playing an upstanding policeman. That'll probably just be all he does, right? No, of <laughs> course we know he's going to be in on it and one of the bad guys. Of course, because he's John Hamm. Yeah. And he and there's no reason for him to take a role where he's like, I don't mean to bother you, ma'am. Just checking that everything's okay. Do-do-do. <laughs> Not going to happen. So it's frustrating casting to cast I, John Hamm yeah. in that role, just waiting for him to turn and get nasty. I was really out of it by the end. I mean, I was like trying to stay awake. Sure. It was like so, I just, I couldn't follow it. I love Don Cheadle. And I love Matt Damon. They both, every time they were on the screen, I was like, ooh, what's going on? I really love both those actors. But I didn't even get the twist. I like, I knew he was a bad guy, but I was like, I don't understand what's going on. Me He's bringing neither. in the thing and he doesn't take any of the money. Right. And there's more money. Right. Like, I, I didn't understand it at all. The most interesting part was the end of the movie when they list, hey, did you know this happened in the 1950s and it's real? I was like, well, thank you. That's at least something I wanted to 
learn about. They were like, yeah, the catalytic converter became a thing in the 1970s. And I was like, this movie was about the catalytic converter? I know. It was yeah. so convoluted. It was, yeah. it, 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 it just was, I agree. You couldn't keep track of anyone or anything. And the names, yeah. you mentioned it before, but they kept doing it like, who called you? Naismith? No. Walk, Watkins. <laughs> Wait, Watkins called you? No. Steve. Like, it, you're like, who are these people? And then they would appear. They'd be like, let's go to Naismith's house. So you think Naismith is going to be a big time actor and he wasn't. And nope. neither Mm-mm. was Watkins. If that, like, it, it, no, nothing paid off. And then one guy they never nope. mentioned, they mention him, they go to him and it's Matt Damon and it's a big surprise and he's uncredited and he's got a big part. That's what we wanted through the whole movie was that fun casting of people, right? If you're going to build up a character. Well, and I thought he was one of the few people that really did something with the script that was very, uh, I don't I don't want to say mammity because I like mammoth, but like very kind of, it had a certain rhythm to it that felt more like a, a Brechtian stage play. Like, Oof. I'm not going to give you information. I'm just going to pellet words at you or, Smell you know. Was, you, Brechtian. Yeah, I'm going to go look up what that means later, but I heard somebody say it, and I think it means alienating, um, but not linear. You know, he was, yeah. he, it was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that Ray Liotta, it, what range in this movie, people, Ray Liotta <laughs> played, ready? A middle-aged mob boss with rage yeah. problems. Yep. A stunning performance turned in by Ray Liotta. <laughs> you see how I'm saying uh, one thing, but you can tell by my face that I mean I'm being I held feel- hostage? That's, yeah, yeah. That's you're doing this on two levels really beautifully. Thank um, you. I disagree with you entirely because I feel like when I saw him, he was mad, and then he got madder. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna critique your critique of his performance because going from mad to madder isn't always, you know, so easy for most folks. Folks, folks. Yeah, most of those folks. Uh, we were talking about Matt Damon and. I uh, I don't think we have to play it. He gives this speech at the end of the, of the movie, essentially. Oh, my God. And it was so pretentious, but it was supposed to really sum everything up about, you know, greed and this and that. And and I didn't understand a word of it. It meant nope. nothing, but he delivered yep. it like, here's my Oscar moment, people. And I was like, oh, Matt Damon, you should have run screaming. Do you think that because it's Soderbergh that people read something and they go, God, this doesn't make any sense. Like, Stephen, can you explain it to me? And then they like nobody critiques it or gives notes. And then they read it and they read it and they read it. And then they have that aha moment where they're like, I get it. And then they deliver it because they're like, I get it. But they don't remember that the very first time you read it, you were like, I don't get it. You know what I mean? I definitely think that. And or I think they never get it. But they're like, don't worry about it. It's, It's coming across. I'm getting it. I really feel bad for the uh, not name actors that you were referring to because I feel like every single one of them was like, oh, my God, I'm in a Steven Soderbergh movie opposite Don Cheadle and fucking Benicio Del Toro. This thing's going to launch me. And I did not see any standout anything. I thought everybody was terrible. Even the right. Yep. And, and I felt bad for them because I was like, oh, God, you need guidance or you need to be in a different movie or like I it actually made everybody look amateurish. It yes. wasn't, you know, and that made me go. They must have spent all the money on that star studded cast. Right. And Steven Soderbergh. 
They must have given all the money away. I mean, money was spent on the sets. You know, good looking sets, nice old cars. Um, I, I, I came awake at the credits because I was like, oh, my God, look at all the people. Everybody had an assistant. Like the the key grip had an assistant oh key God. grip. It was insane. There were dialect coaches and like, I mean, it was, there was a, an athletics coach for Benicio Del Toro, like some, not athletics, but some sort drinking of- Drinking coach. How, I think you mean how a to drinking move physically. coach. <laughs> he had a guy teaching him like how to move in an athletic way. I don't even remember that scene. I There was oh so- Many people worked on this movie, and God bless them. Thank you for reviving the American economy with this single film. But it was like crazy, just crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, I just did a movie with four people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So the one positive, uh, there was some really fun, atmospheric, timely music. And Pete, if you could play 4738. Get me my beret and my cigarello. That music <laughs> was so right. It's like you're in like a, a French beat jazz club, yeah. and it there was some fun music for yeah. for every scene that needed good dialogue or stakes or things to care about. Instead, they had some fun music. I don't know if it was the same composer, but I will say that there were a couple of the dramatic scenes that I was like, Ugh, like the. It was like it was not showing up on the screen, and the score was like, dun dun, dun dun and I'm like, I yeah, it's not the it's not the gugga moment yet, guy. You can't make that music yet. If even if you feel that's how it should be in the story, that's not what what is going on on the screen. Right. This was what what made Soderbergh come out of retirement. I guess. Like, come on, why? The oh, ch- and do they it? all get together and they they. You know, this is a gang that has mostly worked together before and they're all like, yeah, it'll be great. We'll all be together again. But it didn't have teeth. Well, it's interesting too the choices that he made, the weird shots and the I also thought the sound was funky as such a in the weeds kind of thing. But like to me, the sound was very echoey. Again, Mm. could have been my television speakers. Maybe they're crappy. For some of the movie, I had the HBO narrator on for the sight impaired, which I couldn't figure out how to turn off. And I'm like, what do I care? So they're like, a car pulls up to a home. Two men get out of the car, slamming the car door. One looks at the other. And I, like, I'm like, you're really mo- mostly I'm like, where, how come I'm not getting that voiceover job? I'm good at it, right? Yeah, you're really good. I like next time I watch a movie, I want you to come over and just do that. <gasps> oh, my it, God, it- I would be so honored. I would love that. Yeah, I could use that. You yeah. could you could nudge me when I start falling asleep. <laughs> Absolutely. Get get the cattle prod. All right. Give it some man yep. jobs and let's talk about stuff we love and feel good about. Ah, it was so pretty. They tried so hard. Um, I'm going to give it a 2. 2 man jobs. Matt Damon gets a man job cuz he deserves one. <laughs> Anytime, Matt. Could just call us. You know where to find us. <laughs> And that's like, that's the only man job I want to give it. So I'm going to give it one and a half man jobs. Do you not love Don Cheadle? I always love Don Cheadle. I found this to be embarrassing for him. 
I thought he was at least interesting. Except that scene. I'm sorry. That scene where he goes and there's a woman and he's been out of jail and she has a suitcase. I could not tell if that was his sister or his ex-girlfriend or his ex-wife or his mom. Like, not it wasn't his mom, but like, I could not figure out at all what that was. But anyway, I didn't know. I was... I was so lost, but I thought it's because of me because half the time we watch those caper movies (laughs) and I'm always like, wait, and Patrick has to pause it and explain it to me because I'm dumb, but very pretty. Um, So I thought maybe it was me. So there you go. You also did not get what was going on. Correct. Good for us. Uh, But if anybody understood it and liked it and wants to explain that, please reach out on Instagram at Mandy underscore Kaplan underscore Clavens or at Mandy Fab on Instagram. And yeah, please no, Mandy explain Fab one. this. Aren't you Mandy Fab one? No, why oh. not? Oh, Jesus Christ. Who have I been Instagramming have all this you been time? Li- <laughs> have you been listening to me? Do you even listen to these podcasts? <laughs> as little no. as possible. <laughs> all right, moving on. Man, you know, you know, I love the Audible, right? As do I. Who doesn't? Yeah. This week, I have a recommendation. <gasps> I'm going to invite everyone to take a, a journey with me because there is a book on Audible that I think everyone needs. Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> uh, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. No, he has apparently discovered that he knows a few things and he's gone over his diaries and uh this these are just things that he's been journaling about the last several years and he's going to share them with us and he narrates it and he's a very sexy man but i think he's very funny i don't know why i love confident people but his his self-confidence makes me giggle so it's either going to rock your ever-loving world or it'll be hilarious and i invite you to to get it. And how would I get it on Audible, man? I'm glad you asked. It sounds like pure <laughs> hell to me. But if you're interested in that or trying anything on Audible, where they have yeah. fantastic audio content, podcasts, novels, self-help, biographies, yes. memoirs, it's all there. Audibletrial.com slash Mandemic gets you a free trial. You pick yeah. a book, you download it. You get to keep that title whether or not you continue your relationship with Audible. 30 days. It's an amazing trial. It really is great. Plenty of time to read uh, a journal entry. (laughs) Yeah. You can listen on all your devices. It saves your place. Audible takes care of you. It's the lazy man's entertainment. And no offense, Audible. I'm as a a very comfortable, lazy person. I say that as a compliment. I'm going to go to audibletrial.com slash pandemic. And I'm going to get naked, get my bongos, and download Matthew McConaughey's book. Oh, he'd be so happy to hear that. What the hell is going on is the question. I am an amazing mom. Oh, God, yeah. And I love my child very much. And I care about his cultural enrichment. And his humanity. And so I read books to him. Oh, God. Come on. I do. Even though he's he can read. He's an avid reader by himself because he's perfect in every way. But then (laughs) I choose books that I'm like. Does he listen to this? Is that why you're saying all this? Because I don't. Anyway, go ahead. No, I just want everybody to know my child is perfect. And so am I. So I choose books that I want to read to him that it started last summer with To Kill a Mockingbird. I explained the George Floyd situation to him. And then we read that 
as an introduction to how to discuss race and injustice in America. And then Mm -hmm. we've read several other of that ilk that I can highly recommend. And then I thought, why do I keep choosing really heartbreaking books, you know, about things that are unjust and wrong? I'm going to (laughs) choose. You're a lot of fun. I I know, right? (laughs) So I'm going to pick a book that I loved as a kid and I'm going to read it to him. And when I was his age, I read it over and over and over. It is called Hanging Out with Cece by Francine Pascal. She wrote all the Sweet Valley High books, but this was not a Sweet Valley High book. Oh. This book, like the the basic premise is a 13-year-old girl who hates her mom because her mom doesn't get her and she keeps getting in trouble at school. She goes to visit her relatives, gets on a train, bumps her head on the train, and travels back in time to when her mom was her age, meets up with her mom back in the 40s. This book was from the 70s. So now she's in the 1940s. Her mom is just as rebellious and just as much of a fuck up as she is. They run around and get in trouble. And then she wakes up on the train and is like, wait, was that a dream or was I really back in time? And then when she's home, spoiler alert, she finds things in the house Like, she finds proof of all of that being true from the 40s. So you never know. Like, did she travel in time? Was it a dream? It's all really cool. I loved this book as a kid. I started reading it. So help me. It was so inappropriate. I had no idea. So I'm like chatting. I'm reading to Casey. And he's like, what does put out mean? Why does that boy want her to put out? What is that? So I'm explaining some of it, right? And then there's, there's... Hey, he's going to need to know that you you really should have explained that to him. <laughs> I showed <That's>... him. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, there's so many videos you can find on YouTube now. It's like yeah. that's just yeah, they make it they make parenting easy. Go ahead. Yeah. So it was really funny because I'm like, OK, so in this book, Casey, honey, they're going to smoke marijuana. He's like, Mom, I know what marijuana is. It's OK. I'm like, OK. Oh, they're also going to make references to like rape and perverts and pedophilia. And and I just had to like temper some of the things that like most of it I am willing to talk about and explain some of it. I was like, I'm just going to skip that paragraph. And after a while, Casey looked green. He's like, yeah, please just skip the paragraph. He loved the story, but it really and it makes me question like, why was I allowed to read this and why I read this when I was 10 and 11 over and over and over? It has a lot of swear words, a lot of inappropriate stuff. That's my story. You know, I run into this a lot, actually. Do you? Yeah, because I, I, I don't think anybody was monitoring anything when I was a kid. And Mm -hmm. so I, I very often go, uh, like I was allowed to, well, actually, my mom was really strict when I was super young, like six, seven, eight, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we moved to a ranch and it was just like, you know. I, it was a big deal that I got to watch like Dukes of Hazard, you know. Oh, I um, love you. <laughs> well, you know. Um, and by the way, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. I was a Tom Wopat girl. Most people were the the Bosch Knight. What was his name? Bosch Knight. Bo Duke. Bo Duke. Bo Duke. You like Luke, Luke Duke? Yeah. But yeah. who played Bo? Who played Bo Duke? John Schneider. John Schneider, not Bo Schneider. Okay, yeah, John Schneider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always the the Luke Duke gal because of course you I, were. He, well, he was attainable. Like, I, I was never going to be in a Bo Duke league. But you married a Bo Duke. I know, but I never wanted a Bo Duke. I didn't think a Bo Duke was possible for me. But oh. I married a 
uh, lay a, down a, and let's talk about that. Let's delve. <laughs> let's go there. I let's figure up. out what your anyway. steam issues are from your childhood. But I, I can tell you honestly, I was uh, not monitored and I watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah. And I know for a fact that I was like, that's funny, not really understanding what I was doing or what it all meant. Mm -hmm. But I definitely went to my school, my elementary school, or maybe it was junior high, but I feel like it was elementary. And we had fudge sickles that was a dessert that you got. And I definitely showed the girls the scene where she shows, gives a blowjob yes. on, on a, a carrot. popsicle or what, on a carrot. Okay. Yeah. But I had a fudge look and I was like, I don't know, it's something like this. It's from this really funny movie I saw. And the boys were looking at me like I had three heads, no pun intended. Um, it was all, like, it was a really awkward moment. But I I didn't know exactly, I, I, I kind of knew it was maybe sexy, but I didn't know exactly what I was doing, giving head to a fudge sickle in my elementary school cafeteria. And then I got so nervous. I think somebody dared me to eat all the peanut butter. There's like a cup of peanut butter and I ate it and I threw up. Like that was a great time in my life. It was a wonderful day. Yeah. Wow. Um, But I had to divert from the giving a a Hummer to a fudge sickle. Yeah. So anyway, no, I, I do think it's good to sort of you know, be careful, like let kids seek that stuff out. But for when we were kids, it was all just there. It was a free for all. Oh my God. I was naughty, crazy stuff. I was running a brothel (laughs) by the time I was nine, 10. Yeah. By the way, has anybody optioned the rights to that book? Because that would make a great movie or series. That would Hanging out with Cece? Yes. No, I know. I I was thinking it as I was reading it. I'm going to look into it. Yes, you should. It's incredible. You should. Stop yelling at me. I just said I'm going to. (laughs) Well, why are you still on this stupid podcast? Oh, Call your okay. agent. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What are you into this week, man? Oh, my God. You are, I don't know if you're going to love it or hate it, but I finally broke the Smartless barrier and I've been listening to Smartless. Oh, and welcome. That's a, yeah, it's a podcast with Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes and uh, the other guy. Will Arnett. No, I'm kidding. Will Arnett. Uh, and here is, I will say, I think they're all hilariously funny. I enjoy them immensely. I like to pretend that I have the same careers that they have and that we're all buddies hanging out. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel really good. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing I will say that has been the big lesson of Smartless this week is don't believe all the gossip you hear. Remember when we were going to watch the Kevin Hart movie? And I'm going to be honest, there was a part of me that I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to like a Kevin Hart movie because I've heard shit about him, right? I heard bad things about him. And so I was a little bit arm's length at that. So I didn't maybe enjoy that Kevin Hart movie as much as I might have if I hadn't believed. So there was there's been shit talk about Will Arnett for sure. There's been shit talk about Mitch Hurwitz. I've heard nightmare stories about him. Uh And then I listened to this episode and they are fucking delightful. Right. They're funny and charming and generous and talk about actors in this great way. And I know... Don't you think shitty people can turn that on? Ellen, I'm looking at you. Ha! I don't think that I... Well, I don't think that any person is either kind or shitty. I think we are all capable of all of it. And I think if you hear someone's experience, like, you know, if you meet Will Arnett on a bad day, you know, like, I actually... I have a friend who went... had a bad experience with one of my friends a long, long time ago. Like not a, oh my God, call the cops or they stole money, they still owe me money. But like, uh, uh, maybe had 
too much to drink on a date and wanted to get with me. And I found that disrespectful. But it wasn't like, you know, it okay. wasn't like a, you know, it was just like, a, oh, I want to get with you. I'm not going to get with you. And then had an opinion about him, which is totally fine. But it wasn't like, you know, it, there was no crime committed. It wasn't a thing. Sure. But then... Like, but then for years, it's like, there's no, it's, it, it, there's no chance that he, and he is one of the most delightful, kind, sweet. I knew him when he was single and he was a little lost and he did drink a bit much and he's not that guy anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that like, there's no allowance for, you know, somebody can change. He's actually one of the most generous, kind, interesting, cool people. Mm-hmm. It's not that you have to forgive. You don't have to, right. but you can't form an opinion on someone based on a bad experience. Sometimes you can. I I can be black and white. I, I'm guilty of that. But you can't tell me that someone's a bad person just because you had a bad experience with them. Depends on how on how bad that experience was and how it made me feel. And if I felt unsafe or violated, yeah, I could say that. But if it was just an awkward encounter, no, that's I mean, we've all had awkward encounters. You have not done anything shitty in your life. You're perfect. I mean, I think we established that earlier with the parenting thing. And now your child's perfect. Mm -hmm. So lucky you. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. My kids are born to be assholes. And because I'm an asshole, their father's an asshole. We were horrible people for such a long time. (gasps) None of this is true. No, it is true. We were both horrible. We have both done the things that you're saying. Like, there's definitely people on the planet that could go, oh, that Mandy Fabian, she's a fucking asshole. I... And and I'm not, but I have done things that people could presume to be terrible. So, you know, I'm just saying. I'd like I a typed like list by the end of the day. I don't believe you. Okay. Reach out to us on at Mandy Fab. Oh, you're probably not following me if you're one of the people that hates me. Right. So I, that's not going to work right. out. I, I just, I, you know. But anyway, I, to circle back, like, you're saying that to... now, now you have a different sense of Bateman and Will Arnett and Sean Hayes. And that makes you think like, they are multifaceted and you've you've had a grudge that maybe wasn't yeah. fair. I had a grudge based on something somebody else said about somebody. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's really shitty of me. Like maybe he was going through a bad time. Maybe he was a mean drunk. Maybe right. he maybe they he was stressful. Maybe he did become a narcissistic egomaniac for a week. They cop you know I mean? they they cop to it. Not Sean Hayes, but uh Will Arnett and Jason Bateman cop to having issues with substances and being different guys. Who they are now I, is delightful for the most part. And they can oh, get, I love it. They get such great guests, although sometimes it just turns into a not a sausage fest, but just a very inside, like, oh, we all know each other. We're all glamorous. We've all worked together. And that yeah. interests me less than when they bring on somebody that they just like they had Neil deGrasse Tyson. And like that was interesting to me because they're just fans of and wanted to explore somebody's career. And no, I totally disagree. I love that insider shit because I have this fantasy that I'm just as powerful and famous and successful as they are. Like it lets me live the dream. Like we're all just hanging out talking about how rich and famous we are. I fucking love it. I want them to keep talking about it. I love every second of it. (laughs) I do not. And then you come here and I bring you right back down to reality, don't I? But they were talking about something of like a casting couch in one Mm. of the things and they were making jokes about it and they said, oh, you can't joke about that. Mm-hmm. And I thought of you saying, when do we get to make jokes right. about things? Right. And I was like, I, as a woman, was sitting there going, I don't know. You can make jokes. If you're making fun of this idea that that's okay, Right. that's good. You should make fun of that. If you're making a joke like, isn't it great that we get to bang girls from Ohio who want to be stars? That's not so funny. Right. But, 
you know, if you're making fun of something because it's... Sorry, Ohio. <laughs> Terribly sorry to the, to the state of Ohio. They're the, there's None of the opinions bus... expressed on the Mandy's represent our parent company. There's a bus that arrives every day, 1230, the Van Nuys Amtrak station. You should check it out. Okay. <laughs> we are going to roll our credits and then we're going to tell the people what's coming up after. It's so exciting. I can't wait. Roll them. Mandemic Mondays is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Pete Wright. Yay! Music by Ian Post. Woohoo! Find the show at truestory.fm slash mandemic. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for us too. And don't forget to subscribe. All right, man, tell the people what we're what we're doing the next couple of months. We're done with season one. <laughs> we did it. We did a season. Yeah. Oh, so satisfying. And we're gonna come back. Bigger and better than ever. Yes. And uh, season two starting in September. Might change up a little bit of what we're talking about. A little bit. Not much, but, you know, maybe not just Netflix. Maybe it'll be some other things. Oh, it's going to be so good. So many more things. And hopefully we will be past the pandemic truly and able to just, you know, focus on more pop culture and less survival. Just what we're doing for fun and entertainment yeah. and to enrich our lives. Yes. Yes, like, we I will. I know what I'm going to be doing, which is listening to all the episodes from season one of Mandemic Mondays over and over. Well, you know, when you're perfect, why wouldn't you want to bathe, bask in the glow of that, you know? On that note, I love you. Love you too. Have a wicked good summer. I will. I'll see you on the other side. All right. Thank you.